Welcome to another Abiding Thought. Uh, today I want to talk about the, the importance or the function of Christians in the world. In other words, um, do we have an obligation to be the transformers of the culture? Or are we supposed to be separate from the culture? And that has been probably the source of a lot of confusion uh, for a number of years for a number of reasons. For instance, when Jesus says that we are in the world, but not of the world, what exactly does that mean? And so, therefore, we have uh, various interpretations in terms of understanding what is the church or Christian purpose or function in the world. Some assume that it's our responsibility to transform the culture, that we have a responsibility of changing the world, making a positive impact, and therefore changing the world, almost in evangelistic terms. In other words, that we change the world and we convert the world and bring nations. And from this, you have various um, understandings of Christian nationalism or Christian statism. Uh, so some think that it's our responsibility to win the world over uh, to Christ. And of course, when you talk about win others to Christ, there is clearly a, an evangelistic element to our presence in the world. It's captured in the Great Commission that we are to go into all of the world and make disciples. But does making disciples of all of the world or people in various parts of the world is that the same thing as Christian statism? And is it the same thing as Christian nationalism? So what is exactly our purpose in the world? Are we supposed to be the moral police for the world? Are we the ones that are supposed to get on our soapbox and talk about all of the evil that we see going on in the world? So the question is, what is our function and what is our place in this world? Now, some would think that, or some have, have said that we are to be other than the world. So while some talk about the evangelistic efforts of the church and assuming that to mean we are to transform the world, make the world um, really an extension of the church, I don't know. Uh, but others say that, no, we are to be separate from the world. We are not to be a part of it. And this has led to... Uh, and on the same token, it's, it's led to its own forms of separation. Christians having their own forms of um, everything, everything that's in the broader, broader um, common culture, there are Christian elements of it. Everything from Christian workout places or Christian gyms, Christian tax services and Christian this and Christian owned businesses, etc. cetera. Uh, even Christian various forms of cultural expression, we have imitated all forms of, of uh, popular music and put a Christian label on it. Everything from hip-hop to uh, folk music and country music, there's a Christianized version of it. So do, are, is, is that what our, our place is? Are we supposed to look at the world and see what's wrong with it, but yet imitate certain aspects of the world? And I think, like I said, I'm, and I'm not trying to make judgments one way or the other, but I do think that those extremes, either being uh, the idea that we are the, the world's moral police and we have the responsibility of taking on all of these various culture wars, or the idea that we are to be completely separate from the world, 
and that everything that is not intentionally Christian, everything that is not intentionally church, is somehow antithetical to our purpose and our identity. So I think there is an extreme. Those two extremes, between those two extremes, is where a lot of Christians live. So I want to just kind of examine uh, a portion of Scripture that probably gets interpreted according to where one falls on the spectrum uh, in in terms of what what it means. So let's look at Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5, and it's called the similitudes. We'll look at verses 14 through 16. Now, the reason it's called the similitudes is because this is part of his Sermon on the Mount, and it comes right on the heels of him speaking of... um, of, of him speaking of the Beatitudes, giving the Beatitudes. And so this is, and actually I said 14, but we'll actually begin in verse 13. So verses 13 through 16, where Jesus gives these similitudes, and basically he's saying those who are the recipients of the kingdom are likened to these two elements. So let's look at, at the similitudes, beginning in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a, on a stand and gives it to all, uh, gives, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And it seems to me that Jesus is doing two things here. There is a reminder that as the people of God, there is something unique and different about us, in which case, um, talking about salt, we have an impact. Uh, salt, we think of it in, in, uh, most, in, in Western civilization, mostly as a, uh, as a, as a flavoring in, in food. But in certain parts of the world, and even in the United States, in uh, I think of the Midwest when it gets, uh, where, where there's snow on the ground, salt is used to keep uh, people from sliding or slipping on their driveway, so they'll pour out salt. So I think of that when Jesus says, if you've lost your savoriness, then you're only good to be trod underfoot by people. So it might seem as if you're, and and you are serving a useful purpose, but the purpose for which we have been left in the world is to demonstrate to others um, the purpose of humanity. God has recreated us in Christ to show what human existence ought to be in love for him and love for our neighbor. And so in that sense, we, there is a savoriness that is a part of our being in the world. Uh, not so much that we are telling others how to behave, but by our behavior, we are showing a difference. We are walking as children of light in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. And when we lose that, that, that intentional otherness, that our commitments are to God first and foremost, then he says you are good for nothing other than to be trod underfoot, in which case you might be used as a mascot by different groups within the culture, but that's not the purpose for which we have been saved. I think of a lot of that, uh, I think of that in, as it relates to a lot of the politicking that we see in our churches that, or among Christian Christian groups, 
where we are giving the church's seal of approval on this political platform or personality where we're actually being trod underfoot because God hasn't set us in this world to make a difference politically, but as we engage with others. That's the savoriness, loving our neighbors, loving and, and showing what love of God means in a fallen world, uh, being true to truth uh, in a fallen world. Those are the things that make us different. But in any event, Jesus goes from the analogy of salt to light. And the whole point is of light is that you have been, and in fact, even in the analogy that he gives, light obviously overcomes darkness. But notice the way uh, his emphasis here is not just that we are light, but he says you have been, you're like a, a city of light that's been set on a hill. In other words, you are to be seen. And I think if on, on the one hand, if by the salt analogy, he is warning against the, uh, the, the possibility of being so absorbed within culture wars that we don't have any flavor that makes us distinct. On the other hand, he's, I think in this analogy of, of light, he's giving a warning of being so separate from the world that we so isolated from the culture that we are not showing forth the goodness of God in our lives and demonstrating it in the world. As a matter of fact, notice the way that he gives the warning here. He says in verse 15, uh, or verses, uh, yeah, verse 15, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. So in other words, we haven't been given the grace of God and the indwelling spirit so that we can subdivide into only going to Christian movies and only listening to Christian radio and no, he says we have been set free to be shining forth in the midst of this generation. I think of the, the words of um, the description of the sons of Issachar in First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. It says of uh, the sons of Issachar, it says of, um, of Issachar, men, uh, excuse me, uh, yeah, of Issachar, men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. And so when Jesus says that, in essence, that he hasn't, he hasn't given us the gifts of the kingdom and he hasn't given us the light of the spirit so that we could be hidden, but rather so that we can be engaged, engaged without being overtaken, as with the thought, so that we lose our savoriness. And then he brings the two together after talking about uh, the, the contrast of what it means to be sought, he brings the two together in verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others. And if, you're, if your light is to shine above others, that means we have to engage with others, but do it in such a way so that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. I don't think that necessarily means evangelism, but I do think that if we are engaged in a product in productive and healthy ways within the culture, it opens the door for evangelistic opportunities. So let's go back to the original thought. Here's, here's what I want us to think about. What does it mean for Christians to be sought and light in this moment in history? 
Have we been called to just call out all of the weird things that we see going on in our culture and wagging our fingers and telling people that they are wrong? Or has God left us in this moment? Has he called us to this moment with everything that's going on around the world, not to hide us from the world, and not so that we would be so absorbed in the world that there is no distinction and there's, and there's no difference. Maybe what he's calling us to do in the middle of a culture where we see all sorts of things taking place, a new, a new era of a sexual revolution, there is gender confusion all around. I, has he called us to say, hey, tell the world that they are wrong? Or has, has he left us in this place so that we can engage people and so that we can show them without losing the distinctives of our faith to talk to them, not at them, not wag fingers about what they ought not to do and to live out our lives to the glory of God in this present generation because we are sought and when we love God and when we love neighbor and we are not co-opted by the culture wars or the politicking that takes place that's so prevalent, I should say, within our culture, when we are not just the religious voice of the various things that are taking place, all of those things, are, are we here to wag a finger at the culture or has God left us here to show those who are around us a more excellent way? Are we here to be like Jesus, going into some of the places where religious folk would not feel comfortable and having conversations, honest conversations with people that others would not feel comfortable having conversations with? It's just a thought. But maybe we really need to rethink what it means to be sought in light not telling the world how to behave, but showing the world what it means to be wed to the bridegroom who has set his seal upon us and has set us free. And as Jesus says, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Have we been set free in this culture to show freedom? or to put others in our own forms of bondage. We're sought and we're light. And here's the interesting thing about the similitudes. Jesus doesn't give us the formula on how to be. This passage is not how to be sought or how to be light. This passage is about being light and being sought. And he is the savoriness. And he is the brightness. He is the source of illumination. And so maybe we're, we're trying too hard. Maybe we're trying to prove that we're sought. Maybe we're trying to prove that we're light. Rather than just being sought and light. Because that's what we have been saved for. And that's what we are. Thank you.